Hello everyone and welcome to episode 7 of the Film Score Podcast. Today I'm talking with composer Roz Gilman. Roz originally started out as a classically trained violinist from a very young age, but after an accident left him unable to fully play, he moved full-time to film scoring. Roz has since worked on many features, short films, and documentaries. We recorded this interview quite a while ago, very early in this endeavor, so the audio quality isn't quite as good as some subsequent episodes. In addition, we ran into a few technical difficulties and a very tight time frame within which to record this, so you'll notice that the episode is quite a bit shorter than most of my others. Nonetheless, it's still quite an enjoyable conversation. As always, you can also check out my website, find me on various social media platforms at The Film Score for reviews, write-ups, discussions, and analysis on film music as well. Now, with all that out of the way, sit back, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So thanks for coming on. I know that the rest of this week you were in Prague doing recording sessions, so busy week for you. So I'm glad you could make some time. I mean, how how did that go? What were you recording? So I came back back from Prague, I think, just a couple of days ago, and uh, we were recording for a an animation called The Last Cloud Weaver. It's uh, by a London-based production mm. company called Dragon the Animations. I've uh, worked with them before on several occasions, actually, and uh, we make a good team. So that was uh, a very uh, exciting project for, for me personally, because in, in Prague, we recorded with the Prague Metropolitan Orchestra. And oh. We had um, 64 players, so the room was full of musicians. <laughs> so that was, uh, for me personally, that was the, the largest lineup live musicians I've uh, worked with of a um, professional orchestra that does a lot of film music and, mm. and uh, lots of soundtracks. Uh, um, I've uh, worked with the Macedonian Symphonic Orchestra before. And they've done Think Like a Dog is the latest one they've done. But this time we went to Prague because the coronavirus, it was very difficult. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> That's so lucky, though, because other people I've talked to and that I've seen, when they're composing and recording right now, they're either doing everything on their own or, you know, they record a part, send it to somebody else who then records a part, and it's it's this piecemeal process everywhere. So having that opportunity right now is incredible. Yes, that's what I thought. That's exactly what I thought I was <laughs> I was hoping we could make it happen somehow and, and we did. And so we had to go through a couple of our setbacks and, and I really wanted to conduct. I always conduct my own sessions. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to conduct the school myself <laughs> because it seems like, unfortunately, things are starting to get worse. And uh, I, I'm in the UK here in London and the Czech Republic just got um, taken off the whitelist. So I would have to quarantine for, I think, 14 days if I hadn't left just a couple of days wow. before. So yeah, that that was, the window was just right. Yeah, that couldn't have worked out better for you. At least in some ways, it's a little easier in Europe because you have all these different countries that are so much easier to get to. Yes, absolutely. And each of them has their own regulations in terms of social distancing and some are not as quite as badly hit, I suppose, as others. So I'm just hoping in the film industry, in the music industry, I'm hoping we'll get some degree of normality in, in the not-so-distant future. I'm hoping so, too. Can you tell yeah. me a little bit about the score in the film, then? Yeah, of course, yeah. So it's uh, an animation, and uh, it's about uh, a dragon and a little girl. And the dragon teaches the girl how to weave clouds. 
And um, one of these special things for me for this project was the fact that it was silent. So there, there's no dialogue at all. Oh, so the music really plays a central role yeah, in, in, in telling the story. And the girl also weaves clouds with a flute. So yeah, uh, very musical already. But uh, I, I thought it's a, a lovely film. It, it's in the fantasy genre. Very cool. So is that what your score is like then? A, a more orchestral fantasy score? Absolutely, yes. It, spot on. It's no limit really to, to imagination and you know, in the story itself and in the storytelling. It's very, very magical. <laughs> Growing up, I was always a huge fantasy fan, so I love being able to hear fantasy scores, but unfortunately, I find at least in the US, the genre in film isn't as popular. So I really miss not being able to hear a lot of new fantasy scores, so I'll be looking forward to that. Yeah, it's coming. <laughs> Great. And I mean, given that, you know, was there any film composer or more classical composer that you listened to for inspiration on it, or did you really just rely on your own creativity to create this? Yeah, it's uh, a good question. Uh, I usually try not to listen to other colleagues just before when I mm. start writing music. I don't want to sort of be influenced too much, but I do listen to a lot of music in between. So when I'm not writing, I, I do tend to listen. I'd say probably one of my generally greatest inspirations and, and, and the person who, who influenced me to start the life of a film composer and this legendary John Williams. I've never had the fortune of, of meeting him. I, he was nominated for the BAFTA series in London and I was fortunate to be there as part of a BAFTA crew, but I don't think he flew in to his nomination. So I was hoping to, <laughs> to maybe <laughs> shake his hand, <laughs> but it didn't happen. So uh, yeah, John Williams. And for this particular score, I think, you know, I like I like Desplat, Alexander Desplat. When I was a student, I really liked Danny Elfman. Well, I mean, he's he's great. He has that dark gothic whimsy that I don't think anyone even bothers trying. He did it so well, and especially like in the late 80s and 90s, that it's his. Absolutely. I think he sort of really, it, this is his color, isn't it? He, if you want this, then... <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, what's what's interesting with him is I think he did a, and I can't remember if it was a ballet or a, an opera, Maybe three or four years ago. I, yeah. I can't remember the name, but I mean, it was, it was really good. And it was, it was clearly him. It was really interesting hearing him in a completely different context. And not surprisingly, he did a great job. Yes, yes. I think it's, it's for many film composers, as, as for myself as well, I think there is always the desire of, of um, writing film music on one side, mm -hmm. which is a very collaborative project. But of course, you're sort of, bound by some of, of the structure and, and the, the storytelling and, and the story behind it. Um, and on the other side, the, the autonomous, the standalone music. So I think many film composers see they really enjoy the, the writing on, on its own without the need to write for something. As a balance, I can understand this because it's just you can let your creativity flow without having to or be bound by, by certain constraints. Yeah you kind of took the opposite path almost of starting in classical training from a young age, going through these different conservatories and academies, and then however many years later, then moving in, into film music. So, I mean, I, I think that's a really interesting path. Thank you. Yes. It, in my, uh, in my life, uh, it sort of was a, a bit of a, a sad 
accident that I had with my hand as a concert violinist that, that ultimately led me to buy into music for film. So I, like you said, I started out as a concert violinist when I was very little. I, and I remember my very first tiny violin that my mother brought at the same time. I always loved film music and always enjoyed writing in, in, in my spare time. So mm. when my accident happened, uh, it was uh, an unfortunate time. So I had a string quartet and then we just oh. started playing national radio, national TV, and it was going well. And, and then that happened. And so I had to think about do I continue to music or not? And as you know, if you, if you can't perform anymore, you can either write or, or conduct. So I, I applied at the University of Music in Vienna to do both. I got into first composing and then conducting and, and uh, with the ultimate goal, again, Influenced by Joe Williams, I love Jurassic Park and, <laughs> and all that. <laughs> so like, yeah, I, I, I want to do that. And that's how I got into film composition, really. That's great. And I, I love hearing those stories of how people get into it. Mm-hmm. Not saying that I love yours because it has that tragic impetus. Um, mm-hmm. But you took it in stride and, and you know, now you're, you're here today being, uh, being successful in it. <laughs> I'm no way there. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I think yeah. whatever happens in life, you know, you, you sort of need to try and, 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 and see the upside. As a violinist, I've played in orchestras for many years and naturally that gives you a really good overview of the um, point of view of music from the inside. Uh, so sitting in the orchestra and that really influenced me and, and it helped me uh, write music from, from a different perspective to take a step back and, you know, you've got the music sort of Maybe still inside you, but not quite. You're not quite in the middle of it <laughs> as a, a performer. So that that was definitely a, a huge benefit for me to to start writing and orchestrating my own things. And so I'm I'm quite alright with the fact that I'm this path has has taken me where I am at the moment. That's always how it goes, right? No one ever is on one straight path where there's no hindrance. There's there's Absolutely. always something, and the measure of someone is is how they maneuver across them. Ah, uh, very yeah. very well put. A real point. It, it, success is how you you get through the problems, and we don't know. I'm sure it's like many successful people, the problems they had. I'm sure, and just because they persevered and found a way out of it, that's where why they are where they are today. Exactly. And so having having the training in in violin and piano, and then I know that you do a lot of classical guitar playing as well, and I'm sure a, a lot of other instruments. Do you have one that's your favorite to play on, both playing and composing? I would probably say, Marcus, that the violin is sort of, because I've just had a, a relationship with it for over 20 years, and when I could no longer play it, it was like losing an old friend. Mm. And um, now that said, last year I was surprisingly able to come back and, and, and play it again. I even recorded a piece by Tchaikovsky, the Russian composer, which is uh, uh, on streaming and download. That was a great moment for me. And the violin is probably my, the strongest connection that I have to an instrument. But uh, as a composer, I think the piano is, uh, you know, many composers call it the pocket orchestra. You, you don't have the colors, but you have the whole range. So it's like sort of a, a black and white sketch. And then you go and color it if you write for orchestra mm. with the different colors. Of, of the instrument, the, the flutes and the strings and the trumpets and so on and so forth. So is, is that often your process then when you're first composing for a film is, you know, you're, you're sitting down at the piano working things out and then building from there? 
Yes. So the, the approach actually varies. Sometimes it's very intuitive. Sometimes I, I see the picture mm. and I sit in front of the screen and then I just try things out in front of it. Uh, sometimes right, I go right into the colors if, if there is no time. But for this, for the cloud wheel, for example, that we spoke earlier, I actually had the time to sit down and I just took the time, I suppose, to sit down and, mm. and write. And I had the main, the main melody once I found this and the director was happy with it, uh, that I just went into, I can even show you writing this morning. <laughs> but it, this is sort of what it looks like. So I've got like a sketch here on this side, a piano sketch. And then you go, I go into like a larger school orchestrating mm. it. I just feel sometimes that being in front of a screen can stifle your creativity. Mm. So same if you're writing on words or uh, whatever you do, sometimes if you were just, just to turning off the screen and going to paper, just clearing your mind and, or even sitting down and closing your eyes, that sometimes is a really good way to, to let the creative connections form. Interesting. I think that's a, a really profound point. Sometimes it's good to get all these other inputs we have every single day and just put them away and focus on what you're doing. I might give that a try because what I write for, you know, my film music coverage or if I'm writing fiction, it's always in front of the computer. And sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not. Yeah. I think it's probably just sometimes it's best to go directly and write in front of the computer or, or digitally. And other times you might feel that maybe, you know, having pen and paper or, or maybe in your case a typewriter. Do, do writers still sometimes use typewriters these days? I think some people do. I don't know if people do it seriously or if they do it to kind of stand out and just be contrarian. <laughs> I think it's just probably sometimes you need a different approach. And, yeah, maybe a typewriter is the next one. For me. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I've got to say I was really happy to hear a few pieces of yours, both compositions on your own and I think for film music also that were acoustic or classical guitar based. All right, yes. You're probably talking about uh, Dawn of Hope. Uh, that's a track we released on, on streaming um, a month or two months ago. I not, not, don't quite remember. Uh, that was originally from a documentary, from a TV documentary called uh, Paris is the Target, Paris est une cible. And it was about the Paris uh, attacks, the terror attacks, and I think 2015, that was, if I'm mm. not mistaken. And they made a very interesting documentary about it, which I was fortunate to write the music. And the director wanted to, like you said, a particular mm. sound, the acoustic guitar. And so we wrote something and, and quite liked the track. So thought more people should hear it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and you know, as I've seen, it's a fairly popular track of yours too, which years ago I used to play uh, classic guitar. Like you with violin, I've always had a soft spot for it. It's just so underused across film music. So it's really nice to hear it pop up now and then. Yes, I agree. It's also a great instrument. The uh, acoustic guitar as the piano is a great instrument to go with dialogue because mm. um, it allows the dialogue to still come through because of the, the characteristic of the sound. The color sometimes, of course, it's a certain mood that it evokes and it's quite versatile. The guitar can play the harmony, can play the melody, so it can be the main theme for a character. And, mm. You can also play quite low, so you can play the bass and, and the electric guitar as well. Like I mentioned before, that was kind of what was refreshing hearing in your music, is using this wide array of instruments. I mean, you have some that are piano-centric, guitar-centric, violin-centric, and then, you know, you have a few tracks that are even much more kind of modern electronic sounding, too. There was one I listened to, I can't remember if it was 
I am Charlie or L'Enfant de Darche. My, my French is non-existent, so it sounds awful, but it was very different. So it was, it was great hearing that versatility. Thank you. Yes. Uh, thank you, Mike. I think for uh, as film composers, it's an important tool to have. Or It's also one of the things I really enjoy about being a film composer is that very often you will need some different languages, like let's call it that, with different colors. So sometimes it's just best to tell the story or, or just helps the story best if it's best it's a big orchestra. And, and then yet again, it, it might just be a, an acoustic guitar that just fits. And uh, I think this is one of the the great things about being a film composer because you, you just need to keep on your toes all the time and I had to learn how to write heavy metal for you, right? It's the theory of, of music is like physics, right? If you understand it, you can study and construct these different styles, whether it's heavy metal or deep house or, or pop music or orchestral music. So that's one of the exciting aspects of the life of a a film score as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's so necessary because you do get some composers who they have their style and they stick with it, but those tend to be ones who are huge names already and their style is quite iconic. You have Philip Glass. You know exactly what you're getting when Philip Glass composes a score, but it's Philip Glass and he can do that. Other, other composers, yeah, you, you need the versatility and to be able to jump into any project across genre. That said, I know that you've done sci-fi, horror, drama, and now you're working in fantasy. I mean, is there any, any one of those genres that was tougher to approach? I think comedy is usually a tricky one. I find that comedy is sometimes difficult to score just because it's a very fine line I think it's just about getting the right amount of funny um, and not going over the top. So uh, that is probably challenging. Sometimes really it's discovering the language for a film. That's um, at the start of, of a project. That's what it usually why personally what the filmmaker will look for for the language. And that could sometimes be challenging because you try different approaches and then you, you find one and then you can um, move on. And sometimes it takes a few approaches and you need you know, to keep going. And then other times, I think that was the case with Cloud Weaver, you, you find it rather quickly. That's another challenge to just keep going and keep coming up with new ideas until you feel this is um, the right approach. And I once had a, was a small sort of class, I don't know how to call it, a yeah, lecture by, by uh, the great James Newton Howard. And I was really surprised. He, he was talking to us about, what are they called? The Fantastic Beasts and how to find them, I think. Where, where to find them, and, yeah. Oh, where to, yeah, where to find them, exactly. <laughs> and I think the amount of music that he has written for the main theme it was just mind-boggling i don't recall if it's 20 30 40 i don't know it's a huge amount of of gruesome or attempts that he created for for the main theme until until they finally felt that it was uh, the the right one that was the right fit and i guess um you just need to come up with new ideas and not get discouraged i, I suppose is the right way to put it i think it, it, you touched on this earlier of the constraints of composing for film or maybe the not constraints but the fact that it's the collaborative process and you as the composer don't have the final say i mean that has to be tough to write something that obviously you think is good enough and is fitting for the scene or the character or a given motif and to have someone say no that's that's not right for this change this and go back to the drawing board yes certainly sometimes and i'm sure in a collaborative process this is the same for many creatives if you work in a team or with a director sometimes you fall in love with the theme you write and you're just sitting there and hoping that this will make it <laughs> this will make the cut but um sometimes it doesn't 
which is, I think, a normal part of the job. But um, I often find that the director, a good director, just has the vision for it. And I often found that going back to the drawing board and, and redoing the score or particular cue with more of the guidance by the filmmaker, actually, it, after that, you say, yeah, I can see that the new version is actually working better. You can, you still have that music, you can release it, you can produce it, but very often I found that actually working with good filmmakers takes me, takes the music to the next level. Because mm. you just say, oh, right, yeah, that really fits better. Sometimes you, you wouldn't agree, but I've had good experiences with that, that actually it helps you write better music, more suitable music for the film. That makes sense. You know, if you're a, a fiction writer, for instance, you know, you have an editor who's doing the same thing, telling you to get rid of something, telling you to add something else. And yeah, in the process, you can say, oh, no, screw this person. This is my work. I know I'm the writer. I'm the composer. I know what I'm doing. But when you get to the other side, yeah, you can you can see as as long as you have the open mind that you know the the collaboration worked better. So that's that's very interesting. That's good to hear. Yes, yeah, it's 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 good to see that you, there is a sort of a parallel of this um, in the writing world where where you have the editor that looks at it from a different perspective, and I suppose sometimes gives you something to think about it you haven't considered. It might be constructive criticism. Is sometimes hard to take, yeah. but it. it it can be very beneficial. Absolutely. 100% agree. Yeah, so with you know, with all these projects in your pocket now and this new one coming out, reflecting on all that, I mean, what would be your dream project going forward? Ooh. <laughs> uh, well, I, um, you mean an ultimate goal where I would be in five years' time or ten years' time or so? It, you know, it could be that, or you could pick a, a director in a genre and a in a genre of film and a style of music that would be perfect or where you hope you're going to be in five, ten years. I mean, anything, whichever comes to your mind from that uh, from that question. All right. So I think in terms of filmmakers, I've, I've worked with several filmmakers repeatedly, which um, we had a very fruitful collaboration. And so I'm looking forward to working with these people again. And, and it's often, a, you know, a mutual thing. And so uh, I'm looking forward to the pandemic sort of coming to an end so that that film production can pick up mm -hmm. because of course there are a few projects that i i should have been writing for as as we speak <laughs> which haven't even started shooting so that was um, of course an unfortunate consequence for not for myself but I, I'm, I'm sure for for many filmmakers or film composers in terms of a dream project good animation so um, I hope there's more of that coming because it's a genre I quite like. So I, I'm a big fan of Disney and I've, I've just watched something on Disney Plus, I think two days ago, the sequel to Wreck-It Ralph. Ralph oh, okay. Breaks the Internet. I don't know if you've seen it. I haven't yet. I actually, you know what? I, I think I saw you um, tweeting about it, how much you liked it. Yes, that's right. Yes, I, I yeah. did that. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I really... I really like this and with a great score. Maybe the score not quite as prominent as in some other Disney films. What is it about animation then that draws you over everything else? That's that's a good question. I think maybe Marcus the, the fairy tale aspect of it and then telling these um, often very inspiring, motivating stories, you know, about friendship or or like Coco, the power of music. 
I think this is the, the topics are just beautiful, and and I also think the scores for Disney films is just amazing. Yeah, I'm just I'm not a huge fan of of Disney films, but also of, of many scores for these films like Nemo or, or Wally or Coco by Michael Giacchino, The Incredibles, and all sorts of stuff. Pixar and Disney are, are just um, marvelous. <laughs> Big fan. I think the themes and the messages are also important. I mean, especially now in a time of just a lot of pessimism. They get the biggest, best names in in every aspect to come in, and score in particular. Absolutely, yes. And I've just actually watched The Lion King for, for the first time before before I watched it. Mm. Ralph Breaks the Internet, which was a, a wonderful score with wonderful songs as well by Self and John. So all in all, a wonderful film, I, I thought. Uh, the original as, as the remake, I thought they mm. the both beautiful pieces of storytelling and any of you viewers or readers haven't, haven't uh, watched that yet, then yes, I highly recommend it. <laughs> I haven't seen the the new version of it yet either. But yeah, yeah I mean, yes. you know, Hans, Hans Zimmer's scores for both are real, really good. I mean, his, his score for the original is a groundbreaking score, considered one of his best. And I think for someone with the resume that he has, you, you might not expect it. But I mean, it, it's such a good medium to work in. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. You're right. It's 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 sort of maybe not his usual to go and, and score a fairy tale like Lion King, for which I think he won the Oscar. And remember, again, uh, BAFTA organized uh, they organize these composer talks, and they do a lot of um, a lot of great stuff for for young filmmakers. And so the the um, brought Hans uh, into one of these chats about a year and a half ago. Or I can't remember a while back, and he already he was already talking about the Lion King, the remake coming. I was like, oh, and that was great to hear. Unfortunately, uh, it, it's it's turned out a really enjoyable chat. It has <laughs> been. I would love to, to continue. If everything goes well, <laughs> there will be a spot for you to come back on, and hopefully by then productions will be back up and running, and there will be all sorts of new scores that you've done or that you're working on that you can talk about too. Yes, yeah, it will be a pleasure. And then hopefully no pandemic around us. <laughs> Let's hope not. All right, well, once again, I really appreciate you coming on. It was, it was great chatting to you. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Marcus, thank you very much for this chat. Thank you, too. Uh, you have a great rest of your day and an even better weekend. Yes, and, and you. And uh, greetings to Chicago. And greetings to London. I was supposed to visit there, I think, three times this year. And instead, I'm not going at all. Of course. Oh, well, I, I, I do hope that, that, that you do come. And if, if you do come, give me a shout. It's good to meet via video, but even better to, to meet, be social distancing or not in person over a cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So next time I come, I'll, uh, I'll let you know in advance. Please do. Yes, please do. We'll keep in touch. All right, All great. Right. You take care. Any, any, Marcus.